When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. It is picked up by the line. Darius Slay's got it. Coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30. Darius at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Rolls to the right. Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there. Enzo. Touchdown to Cornwall. Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on everybody? We are back. And uh, I got Grifka here. Grifka, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man, it's good to be back after a W. You got you absolutely got to love a W for our Detroit Lions. So, oh, I told you, I told you, I'd always take a W no matter what. <laughs> you did, man. Uh, this team got it done in Arizona, so we're going to talk all about that. Grifka, I got to tell you, this is a first on the podcast. You want to know why? Oh, why's that? I made one of the greatest purchases of all time, Grifka. It was a splurge. It was something I shouldn't have done, but I had to have it. I am doing the podcast with you, Grifka, wearing a brand new pair of the Jordan 11s, the patent leathers. They just came in the mail today. I put them on with the Lions hoodie for the show. I'm feeling good. Sounds like you're feeling good. We got to talk all about this team, talk about the win at Arizona, and all types of other things. You ready to do this? Yeah, let's get this. <laughs> So, Grifka, before we get to the Cards game, you got any updates? Are we, we hearing anything about Carrion? Is he coming back? Is he not? It feels like we talk about him every week, but we're just trying to see, is he coming back? Can he play? What's going on? Yeah, from what I'm hearing and reading, it sounds like he's going to be put on the shelf the rest of the year. I know we had talked about that, and uh, maybe it's just the wise thing to do, but uh, I'd always I'd like to see him just to get some more snaps, you know, him being a rookie. But it sounds like everything coming out of Allen Park, they're just playing on uh, – putting him uh, you know, on, in some bubble wrap and uh, putting him on the shelf and breaking him out you know, uh, early next year for the uh, off-season programs. See, I totally differ because I was listening to the um, – just the other day they, they did the old media session where they interview all the coordinators. You know how that goes. Like yeah. these guys normally, you know, they're asked a bunch of things. They just talk, work their way around all these questions, never give any info, yet – they were talking with the running backs coach, and I watched it, and finally somebody sort of asked him about – I don't even think they asked him about carry-on, which frustrated me, but they asked him about something, and, and so he started talking about carry-on in some way, and he said – and I don't have the quote word in front of me, but it was really obvious that he said, when he comes back, I expect him ready to roll right away. Like, And he said also that 
um, you know, he's quote unquote been resting the last few weeks, if you want to put it that way. So when he comes back, when Grifka, he'll be ready to roll. So to me, like that was probably a kind of a slip up or he just kind of said what he felt. But to me, that was a real tip that, you know, 33 is not like if or when or maybe it was when he comes back. And if he does, not if, when he does, I felt like this guy sort of slipped up and said the that they would give him the football just like any other day. If he's out there, he's going to be ready. So I think, uh, you know, I had heard uh, recording here that uh, he hadn't practiced uh, here on either Tuesday or Wednesday, I think it was. But, I mean, even if you don't see him for this game, I, I took that definitely as kind of a slip-up that he's going to be coming back before this year's over. I mean, I'd be happy to see it. I mean, especially, uh, like I said, coming against a couple of division games, just seeing more of their sets and – you know, their personnel on what they do, because even though, you know, rosters do change over, you know, there's still going to be guys on those, you know, those Packers teams and Vikings teams that are, he's going to see next year. So, I mean, we can talk about like changes, but the other teams, you know, come, come the off season when we know who will be like the coordinators in Green Bay, but I don't think there's going to be too much changeover in Minnesota. So uh, I think Mike Zimmer's still going to pretty much run the same defense with a lot of the same personnel. So if he's out there seeing snaps against those guys, that can only help him next year and in the future. So if he's back from the Minnesota game, you know, the last uh, home game of the year, I'd be, I'd be pretty happy about that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the more realistic is that if he doesn't practice mid to end of the midweek here, you know, I don't know that you see him, you know, it's not very often where you don't practice that running back basically all week and then show up on Sunday. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on it, but if he doesn't practice, he could maybe sit out this game. This is a game in Buffalo. We'll get to it on our Friday show. That's winnable with, with or without, I think. So let's say that they hold him out, they win it. And like you say, he suits up uh, against the Vikings and then could be a bigger game towards the end of the year. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of best case scenario. I'm, I'm hoping too, that we see him. And I love that the coach said, Hey, if he comes back, there's no like, Hey, ease him back in or a few carries, like, He'll be ready to go. So keep an eye on that. Again, it's kind of topic number one in my mind and across social media these days. There's where is carry on? Is he practicing? When's he coming back? Because, you know, our other weapons are just still really beaten up and uh, it's been hard to watch. So Grifka, we got to talk about this and we'll only talk about it for a minute, but I want to rewind the tape just for a second. So a few weeks ago, we had our big argument where it was like, I want to just win every game. And I was you know, more on the side of, like, you have to sort of consider draft status. I think you took it as, like, I didn't want to win or I'm rooting for them to lose, where I kind of continually said, if you go back and listen to the show, you know, reasonable minds, you have to consider draft status, you have to consider all these different factors as this game goes on. And then the next week when they were close against the Rams, I was fighting for that W, and then you tried to throw it in my face and say, I bet you're happy about draft status. So, I just want to bring it up for the people to understand. Like, before we went in this game, I think we are picking, depending on what site you look at, anywhere from eight, um, seven, eight, nine in that range. And because of the win, we only dropped down to I've seen both 10 and 11 as sort of our status. So, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of that balancing act we have to do, I think, as fans. It doesn't have to be one or the other, but it has to be, yeah, you don't want to win and drop six, eight spots. You don't want to win continually miss the playoffs and be picking right next to you know 18 19 20 type of thing but i felt good about a w and only sliding a few spots so what's your thoughts on on getting a win and slipping a little bit or just 
uh, before we get into the ball game, that whole scenario. Yeah, it's nice that they only slipped a couple spots even with the win. And I'm sure, I mean, depending on all the scenarios out there, you know, I don't know how far they would drop if, you know, say they do win the last three and how everything else, how everything else looks. It, I don't know if it's one of those things that just kind of shows that the team was closer than what people thought or if the other teams that Minnesota still playing for something. And I don't think Buffalo is not going to go out there and try because I think they're going to try to get Allen as, you know, make him look as good as possible, you know, him to be as successful as possible just to help him. But Green Bay, who knows what Green Bay is going to be like. So I don't know if Green Bay is just going to go out there and try to lose everything or, or what, because I mean, yeah, there's still, they still have opportunities to make the playoffs, but they seem, you know, kind of out of reach right now. So even if Detroit wins out, I, I'm, I'm going to take all the wins. I don't, I'll, I don't care where they fall with the draft, to be honest with you. And it's it's one of those things, like I said, I, I'm always going to take the W's. But even with the win only dropping a couple spots from 8 to 10, I mean, I still feel like just from hearing, like, the top-end talent, the real, real top-end talent in this year's draft coming up, it still sounds like it's it's only, like, five, six guys. And then after that, there's, there's, there's a bit of – there's the next step down. So Detroit's still in that 8 to 10 range. That's still that next step down. They're not, you know, even at, you know, at eight, they weren't getting that high end, you know, one, two, three, four, five picks. So, and that's just what I'm reading that um, the real, real top end is only about five, six players deep in this draft. And that's not counting, you know, like where people reach for quarterbacks and stuff like that. So eight to 10, you're still on that second level. And, you know, I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, I hear you there. I mean, I, I guess I'm all over uh, Lions Twitter and I, it, it's always North or South Pole. You know, there's people that, Every time they play decent or win, it's just the worst thing ever. And then if, when they um, when they lose, you know everybody's bummed that that want us, you know, are fans of this team want them to win. So it's a really hard one to walk, and I kind of see both sides. But again, I've always fought for it. It's it's not all one or the other. You know, I don't want to root ever against my team, especially when that ball kicks off on Sunday. Like I'm right there with them. But you know, like you say, it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on here and like say not a big slide now the the haters would tell you that well yeah but if you lose that game against Arizona you go all the way up to three and it's kind of like you know come on you know you didn't want us to go down to Arizona and get whooped like no matter uh even a guy like me that loves a high draft pick and knows how valuable it is I don't want to go to Arizona and get whooped by Josh Rose and a bunch of bums so yeah that's it <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. if you went down there and lose that game i mean just like oh gosh yeah we'll get into that here in, in one second so so grifka the the last item before we jump into the game review i want to talk to you about is what do you have your lions playoff tickets yet because there's been a bunch of rumblings about uh all these scenarios where the lions have a three percent chance to make it and if this 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 and this happens they can get in if they win all their games like you've been keeping up with all this because it really seems to be catching steam those that are drinking the detroit kool-aid like me and you are uh got all the scenarios figured out and they've already got this team uh with a a good chance of getting in the playoffs, even though percentages are are still looking rough. I mean, what's your thoughts on this whole thing? <laughs> I, 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 well, I was reading those things, and you know, even say like like you said, like you know, the stars need to align, and like it's got to be an act of God for them to make the playoffs. And I, I'm just, yeah, I'm kind of like, yeah, I, let's not, you know, uh, jump the shark here, and uh, you know, uh, say that they're going to make the playoffs, and. Uh, 
but yeah, I'm, I'm very like, okay, you guys go ahead. You guys want, you know, go ahead. I will watch the last few games just for sheer enjoyment because I'm a Lions fan. I can't foresee them getting the playoffs because there's, there's a lot of dominoes that need to fall in that scenario for them to even slide in as the, as the last, as the last seed. <laughs> so I was reading that stuff too. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, just, just pump the brakes here. Okay. You know, uh, there, there we go. So Griff, I'm there with you, but so like I see this tweet come out again. I've been uh, working on our Detroit Kool-Aid Twitter a bit and kind of connecting with these other Lions fans. And uh, so I see this post come up and it kind of tells the scenarios and I'm kind of like, ah, you know, you can't have all that stuff happen and have them rip them off. And then the, like, let me paint this picture for you. The more I see it and the more I really look at really the teams that have to lose or teams only have to lose a game here or two out of three and, you know, the Redskins lose, which they're terrible right now. Like, I mean, the Honolulu blue Kool-Aid gets churning and I start thinking, Oh man, like these scenarios aren't like as crazy as they first seemed. (laughs) And then I also look at it and I go, we're playing Buffalo in Buffalo. There's no reason we can't not only hang in this game, but win it. We got, we got the Vikings at home. And then depending on if green Bay continues to absolutely tank it up and be terrible. Like they could be playing for nothing at the end of the game in the frozen tundra. So like (laughs) I Grifka, like take yourself out of your body for a minute and say, what if, what if the lions ripped off three dubs all these other scenarios happen. Let's say they rip off two dubs. All these scenarios happen, and we're going into Lambeau Field. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is sitting down, and if we win, and like a couple of things happen or have already happened, we win and we get in. Like that would be one of the cooler moments in Detroit sports history of this team being totally off the map, us being totally frustrated with them. Yet they just make this crazy run at the end, and like all the chips fall perfectly, and they get in. Like, could you imagine that? It'd be crazy. Oh. Let's let's do this. So, I watched a little bit of that game on Monday night, and then you know Tuesday I woke up to go to work because I have to get up early, and you know I flip on ESPN because I just want to see who won the game. Because since I was watching it a little bit, and I saw that Seattle won, and no lie, the first thing that crossed my mind was, well, that helps the Lions. That sound it did. I'm like, well, that helps the Lions. And then Tuesday night, I'm watching NFL Network at seven o'clock. I mean. Uh, I love that show, and they that the first thing because they sh- they show the standings, you know, of like the playoff picture with everything, and there's some teams with eight losses, but Detroit they don't have Detroit listed, and all the thing across my mind is like, where's Detroit, you know, like <laughs> it's so stupid, but like like you said, all these things that could happen, those were the thoughts that crossed my mind. Honestly, that crossed my mind when I saw those two <laughs> things right there, and then after yeah. I realized, I stepped back. I'm going, if this team makes the playoffs. Gosh, man, I'm like, who they got left? I'm like, who's left to play on this team? You know, I mean, injuries, guys on IR. I mean, so I'm just like, I'm like, okay, you know, uh, you know, calm down a little bit. But I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. If, if, like I said, if, like if the stars aligned and you know everything happened where they where they snuck in the back door. But I mean, I, like I'm telling you, that's those those were the thoughts that crossed my mind when I saw that Minnesota lost. And how come Detroit wasn't on the graphic on NFL Network when they showed the playoffs? You know who who was left and, and where? Yeah, man, it's crazy to even bring it up and like think about it. But like, you know, just my fandom got going, and I just thought, what if? Like, I again, 
if we want to be realistic here, I mean, I don't see it happening. If we had Marv rolling, if Carrion's out there, if we got uh, Kennard there, if we if hands not, all these people aren't dinged up, you know, Ziggy's done. Like, I'd be thinking, man, we got the horsepower. If we can get in, like, who knows? But, you know, without all those pieces, it does seem very, very unlikely along with all the dominoes. But, you know, they always say if you get in, you just never know. So even just getting in would be a huge feat. So all you Kool-Aid drinkers out there, that was for you. Um, keep working those scenarios. Keep working the ESPN playoff machine and figure out how we can get this thing to happen. Because, man, would Matt, Pat, and the whole organization have a feather in their cap and be able to shove it up uh, right in front of the face of all the haters if they were able to pull off that miracle. So, Grifka, now that we've got the Kool-Aid uh, fully poured, uh, how about we talk about this Cardinals win? How about that? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so Grifka, this was a game, um, you know, wasn't a, we knew it wasn't a good team. We knew we were struggling with injuries. We weren't playing very well. We go down to Arizona and get a 17-3 victory. I mean, it wasn't pretty. There's lots of things we're going to kind of uh, get into here. I mean, a couple quick hits. I mean, describe that first half in three words, Grifka. Can you do that for me? Uh, yeah, let me try. Um and the first one would be kind of, I guess, surprising. I know during last week's, last week's, you know, I guess forecasting of this game, I thought Josh Rosen would pass for a lot more yards than what he did, and look a little better than what he did. Um, so I, yeah, I was, I was surprised by that. Um, and um, once again, I, I guess I'll say surprising. You know how the defense, the Detroit Lions defense played a lot better than what I thought it would. So I'll go surprising, surprising, and I guess kind of boring, to be honest with you. I wish that offense was somewhere to see that stat, that Matt Stafford only finished with 101 yards passing or 110 yards passing. I mean, it was almost kind of like watching a high school offense out there. So uh, those would be my three words for for, for the first half of that game. Grifka, when I say three words to describe it, you can't use two of the same words. And then, I mean, there's not too many, not too many words to describe the first half of that game and put a good spin on it. Sorry. I thought you were going with the surprise, surprise, surprise gimmick, but then you changed the last word. It was like, oh my goodness. Now, I saw the same question on uh, the new line Twitter feed I've been working on. It was from Justin Rogers, I believe. He said the same question. And so, like, I was just – I've been doing some in-game tweeting and just kind of, again, having some fun with the, the Kool-Aid drinkers out there. And he put – described this first half in, in three words. And uh, this was before the second half got going. And I just wrote, bad Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, what I, that's what I felt like the first half was, man. Some bad Chinese food that just did not sit well. It was just kind of like uh, – you knew it didn't look that good when you took it out of the little uh, – you know, carton they put it in, but it was real funky once you uh, got got to eating it. So that first half was brutal, but uh, obviously our team turned it around in the second half and got going. Grifka, top three players for the Lions, in your opinion, for this ball game? What did oh, you see? Oh, number one, you know who it's got to be with me. It's got to be big play. You know, the way he jumped that route. <laughs> oh, yeah. no doubt. I mean, yeah, big play's got to be number one. Living up to the nickname yeah. on that one. Uh, number two, I thought he had a real good game. I know uh, – he always accused me of not giving him enough hype, and I'm always looking at his downside. But I thought Jared Davis played a good game. He, uh, if it's Real one of those good. things like if he if he could just play like that every week, you know, I'm on your back. But gosh, he just up and down like that game was up, you know. So if he continues to ascend like that, 
I, you know, I'm, I'm very, very happy with that. And then the, he's been up the last couple, Griffka. You just have only noticed his, his yeah. bad plays. He's been up the last few. I bet you, you know, three out of the last five, he's been good to really good. Um, and then the last one, gosh, I almost don't want to say it because it's like the guy everybody pines for every year, and it's got to be double Z. I mean, he he did what he was supposed to do that last drive of the game where they were talking about it was like the uh, that whole that whole drive was him at the end, you know, going up and you know and scoring. I just don't know if it was one of those things like Arizona's like, okay, this game's done, it's over with, or you know, because you know if they get the stop, you know, they get the ball back, they can go and score. But uh, you know, the offensive line did pretty well, and Zach Zenner ran the ball pretty hard. So those would be the three guys I would pick for that game. Everybody, if you didn't listen to it, go back uh, to one of our earlier shows where Grifka went on and on about uh, how everybody loves Zach Center because everybody loves people with double initials. And I, that was like his reasoning why why he was a fan favorite and why he was good. He was just like, I don't know, double it's the initials. alliteration, man. Everybody it's the loves alliteration that. I was, of just his like, name. I was like, what? Oh man, uh, you know. Grifka, did you know that your boy Big Play Slay, this is his first pick six ever? I mean, kind of weird to have that nickname and only house one. Come on. Yeah, to be honest with you, when I when I saw that, I was just like, yeah, I started thinking, like, are they wrong? It's like, uh, wow, really? But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that did uh, kind of take me aback right there, you know, seeing that that was his first pick six. Everybody, that was a Grifka Bell for to be honest with you. That's a that's a classic Grifka go to. I don't know if you're not honest with us all the other times, but people keep track of how many to be honest with you is Grifka hits <laughs> with. So I think those were three great great names that you brought up, Grifka. Like for me, you know, it, it, you know, Slay was the obvious, but I mean, how many times do I have to say it on a show, man? Snacks. This guy makes such a difference. Like every run play. He's in the mix. He's pulling the running back down. He's in his gap. You know, just incredible play by this guy. I mean, I love what I see. If I have to pick a couple different names than you, I mean, again, number 91, A. as I call him, was jumping off the screen again to me, not only of, like, his play and a couple of the plays he made, but how good is it when they did the ultra close-up of Ashawn at least a, a few times inside the helmet? He's got the crazy sweat going. He looks like he just hates people, which I think is awesome for a defensive tackle. He should just hate everyone on the planet, uh, which is great. So I thought Ashawn played another incredible game. And then uh, hmm, if I got to pick a third one, who, who could I get here? I mean, I'm just going to – uh, do a Grifka, and I'm going to agree with you. Like, uh, you know, I've been trying to stick up for Jared Davis. Like, he flashed all over the field. I mean, he's blitzing. I think he had a sack, if not a sack and a half. He had a couple of, like, plays that jumped off the screen where he just – he diagnosed whatever was going on, bam, hit it, made a huge play. So I think that's only encouraging to see. But I saw a thing today where they mic everybody up, and they had Jared Davis on the sideline mic'd up, and he was just like, they can't deal with me. They can't hold me. And the, one of his players was like, like you, you just hit that and win, bro. They, they can't deal with you. And he was just like, he was like, he was like going nuts, which I love on the sideline. Like, we need more leaders and more dogs and more people out there that are just getting after it on Sundays on the field. So I thought, like, by the way he was talking, the way he played, it was just awesome. So those are those are my top three. I, I, I just want to comment on your Ashawn Robinson pick, which uh, Ashawn. What I'm liking about Ashawn because it seems like. 
th- throughout the league, you know, through the history, get ready for your bell, that there's two de- there's two different types of defensive tackles. You know, I'm talking the ones that are good, but like the ones that seem to go out there just like having a good time. They're going to pal around with you. They're going to beat you on the defensive line, sack your quarterback, and then they're going to joke about it with you. You know, like your John Randalls and your Warren Saps, you know, those guys. It's like, I want to go have a beer with this guy after the game. Yeah. But then there's the guys out there. You know, and this is what Ashawn Robinson reminds me of. He's like, he's like the guy with the nasty streak, man. It's like those old Raiders, man, like Lyle Alzado and John Matuzak. Those guys are just like, I mean, I mean, no talk. You don't want to meet this guy in a dark alley. I don't want to meet those guys when the alley's well lit and there's a bunch of people around. And that's what Ashawn Robinson reminded me of. It's just like, hey, dude, hey, nice to see you. Yeah, you stay over there. It's it's cool. He's he's got that nasty streak, and I I think that's what the Lions really really need. And I think him getting benched early on has really put that fire in it underneath him. And so, Ashawn, he's really really impressed me as as the years went on. As the years went on, one of the bright spots on the team. Yeah, I've been playing a lot better, and I think you hit it on the head there with the nice streak. But before we get on to the next topic, Grifka, if you're going to say the man's name, can you at least say it right? Come on. Oh, Ashawn. Is that what you... <laughs> Come on, a little bit man, better. I can't do that, man. Give the man some I can't respect. Do it on, on command. Got, I gotta be feeling. You can't do this, a hey, <laughs> You can't do that. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Come on, bro. This guy, this guy deserves it. He, he's, he's gonna think you're disrespecting him. Maybe I Griffko's address is five. <laughs> no, okay. He comes knocking up. You don't he want that knocking, guy mad. At he's gonna you. push over my lit sand on my front porch and then knock on my door. <laughs> right. Say my name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to respect the man. But yeah, he's been he's been great and really been flashing on Sunday, so that's been awesome. Griffco, who do you think didn't play well in this game uh, for our Lions, either either side of the ball, or just in general? Didn't play that well. Um, I didn't see like a lot of bad per se, but just some disappointing things once again. I mean, I guess the biggest disappointment with me would be once again Rick Wagner. I mean, the guy. I think he went out with what a concussion. I mean, one of those guys that, uh, you know, uh, paid a lot of money to was supposed to, like, stabilize the right side of the line and, you know, hurt again. So I know you can go to, like, Pro Football Weekly or whatever it's called and they'll show you, like, his numbers. Like, oh, he's this and this. It just He just doesn't seem to be, you know, what we're, what the Lions are paying him. So that would that would probably be the biggest disappointment, you know, for me. I didn't see, like, it's not like every week where you see, like, Nevin Lawson just getting – burned on the defense because that that didn't that didn't happen this week and like I said Davis you know played played pretty well but uh you know that would be the biggest disappointment for the game would be uh would be Wagner yeah I mean I'm glad you brought up his name because he you know doesn't get talked about much but like he hasn't really had a very good season He's getting paid a ton of money over there I mean it just feels like we have to be better but if I had to bring up one name Griff there's only one name I mean, I'm curious what you thought of him, but, like, you know, he doesn't have the weapons, this, that, and the other. Like, I mean, come on, Matt Stafford, 101 yards, like, just making a few throws here or there. Like, I'm not expecting you to throw for 450 and four touchdowns, but, I mean, I just looked at him again and just thought, not only him, but the old coordinator. I mean, this is not 2018 football that we're playing, and I know the coaches, especially Matt Pat, might be saying, hey, let's grind it out, let's play a slow game. But I just don't like what I see from our quarterback right now. I feel like he didn't play well. He did make a couple plays that did help us, but, you know, not enough to where 
you know, I definitely can't put him in the good category, and I'm going to put him in this category just because, hey, man, limping around with a back, he's got this, that, and the other. Everybody's got ailments. Like, you don't have your weapons. There's still other quarterbacks and other leaders out there that still step up on Sundays and play great. And I can't tell you the last time he's really played great. So I'm putting him in my didn't play well category for that reason. Was it, remember, was it the Bears game Thanksgiving where I talked, you know, with the flip to carry on? Like, maybe he just didn't want to get hit, and that's why he flipped the ball. Um, The one play, it was in the first half Uh where 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 Stafford was – all he had to do was run for like five yards and get the first down, but he threw it behind Uh Bruce Ellington. Like, oh, he tried to throw it behind him so he wouldn't lead him into the safety, and that's what the announcer was saying. It's just like – I'm like, why didn't he just run for it and slide? I mean, there was nobody in front of him. It was it was it was like third and three, and I mean, and still he he steps up in the pocket, scrambles out, and then he throws kind of back across his body behind Ellington, when all he had to do was you know take you know three think, or four more steps and he gets the first down. But that's one of the things I just don't know if he just doesn't want to get hit because of his back, and he tried to throw it to Ellington yeah. and made a bad pass. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're nitpicking a bit, but I, I want to say that was Big Mike Roberts where he kind of. Uh, on that play, if I do have it right, because that same play, he's third down. Yeah, Roberts. Up, is there was, was nothing was but Roberts, not grass. Anything. He, he kind of threw it behind him in his back pocket, and then like, not only was it annoying because, like you said, just didn't want to run and get it, but the placement was bad. The mechanics, again, that's something I always got on Matt Stafford about. Yeah, it's fun to see the sidearm and the this that, but like some of these simple throws, you have to be able to put it on people properly. And he had another one like that to Big Mike. He had a, a one, I think it was to Ellington, just in a different situation where the placement was bad, just kind of sloppy the way he threw it. And uh, just can't have it, man. Like, I, I'm right with you on that play. And, and people that are new listening probably, you know, this is a Matt Stafford. We're both fans, I would say, Grifco. Like, we supported him. We continue to support him. But we definitely have to call out those issues when he's the leader of this team. He's the highest paid guy. And he's playing – I mean, we could get anybody to come in and throw for 101 and just run a, a, a terrible game plan like that, right? You can get a you get Matt Castle you know, to do backup. that. Right. I was going to say, you could get our backup to do that. You could get a guy that's mid to lower tier in the NFL. You could even get lots of backups in the NFL on any team to sort of do that for you. So he's paid way too much. And, you know, games like this, we shouldn't have to grind some of them out. Like you come out and you throw the ball the way you should. You actually get creative on offense. We should be able to to put the pedal to the metal. But anyway, he, he goes down as my didn't play well, even though he did just enough and we did win the game. And, and I know it was partly game plan. But uh, Griff, could we probably already talked about it or you probably did on your side. But uh, play of the game, let's say uh, any plays of the game other than Slay that you remember that jumped off to you? Um, yes, I see the good um, – the one I instantaneously thought of when this happened was uh, obviously the good luck of the Ford Field upright made its way out to uh, Arizona. And, uh, <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was nice to see the uh, the kicker from Arizona hit the upright on, on that long field goal because when, when he kicked it, it looked good. I'm like, oh, that's good. And all of a sudden, right near the end, it, like, you know, did a beeline right for the upright. <laughs> so that uh, – that, uh, that one kind of cracked me up. I'm like, you know, thinking, eh, it's happened in Detroit, you know, a bunch this year at Ford Field. So it's nice to see it uh, happen on the road as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's been kind of crazy all year how many uprights. I want to say we've 
we've seen about six to seven uprights hit, which like if you get one or two in a year, it's just crazy. But six or seven is just un- unbelievable. So that that definitely was one kind of funny. I guess and I'm talking plays of the game. I mean, you could call out one, but I think Double Z, your boys, X Enter had a multiple on that on that drive that kind of sealed it where we just you know, to me, Zach Zenner, the one thing I've always liked about him, I mean, everybody talks about his intelligence and how he's going to medical school and whatnot, but every time he's been in the ball game, if it's blocked up decently, I mean, he gets out to the edge, puts his foot in the ground, and gets forward, you know, for whatever's there. And sometimes it's, you know, one yard, whatever it may be, but if there's a little crease, I mean, this guy has always sort of got three, six, eight yards you know, on most plays when he's in. So I thought Zach Zenner had some plays of the game, just the way he ran. And then even the touchdown, I feel like he didn't mess around. He just ran the ball where it was called, made a little move here or there, followed his blockers and got in. And sometimes that's all you need. I think Matt Pat talks about that a lot of just like, you know, you just not only have to do your job as they say in new England, but if you just kind of follow the techniques, the plays, the way these, you know, people have it drawn up especially a guy like Matt Pat that's won big games as an assistant and on the defensive side like it's going to work for you and that's what I see on the defense is you know they had some great plays in this game and it's because they're just doing what they're being coached now and it's nothing flashy but it's getting the job done so my play of the game would go to Zach Sander on that drive and that touchdown but uh, sometimes the little things are super important. So um, great to great to get a victory, Grifka. Let's let's tackle a couple like um, just kind of discussion type items, bounce these around before we uh, get to some questions that came in today, and then we'll we'll uh, close up this episode. So, Grifka, how do you feel about Matt Pat this season? I mean, we only got a few games left. Like, what's your overall impression? Or pull out some nuggets of now that you've seen multiple games and different opponents what what are you thinking about this guy as their head coach it's been very up and down so far there's games you know like we said like the rams game even though you know they lost it was close for a while the new england game the green bay game you know even the arizona game to some extent you know we know arizona's a little lesser of opponent where they just look really, really good. The game plan seems to work, you know, defensively. They seem to really come about, make plays. But then there's other games that are just left, you know, scratching my head. It's just like this: the team looks unprepared. It just doesn't seem like adjustments are made. And, and stuff like that where I'm just – it's just up and down. And, and if you can just put it together and you have more of the good games than not good games, I'll be uh, pretty happy. I'm still in this boat. I mean, I'm not, you know, one of those people, fire him already, fire him. But uh, I think he's got to string more of those good games together than the ones where, you know, Leafs fans and us, like, like you know, talking about, like, you know, what happened here and why this happened here. And, you know, I'm still I'm still on his bandwagon, but uh, he, he just needs to, you know, once again, first-time head coach learning stuff. But, you know, he's, 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 still got to, he's still got to show me a little bit. All right, but I I just want to hit you on one counterpoint. Like, you say up and down, like, you know, just thinking about it out loud. Wouldn't you say, like, a lot of that up and down or unpreparedness came in the first quarter and a half of the season? Like, I feel like they've been pretty consistent now for at least, you know, five to six weeks worth where they've been way better on defense, seemed to scheme out, find a game plan, some victories, hung in some ball games. Like, 
you know, we haven't had any big, uh, huge disappointment, blowouts, bad ball games in a while, I want to say. I mean, the last one I can really think about is that Chicago game in Chicago. That just team, that team, that team that went in there just did not look good at all. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. But um, like I say, it, it's always a, a matter of, you know, where they, when you say not prepared, like to me that kind of goes over my head or through my ears because like no team is not prepared on Sundays. You know what I mean? They all practice. They all have a game plan. They all work hard, as they always say every week. It's just did it work? Did it not? Why didn't it? You know what I mean? Those things come into game plan. But I think, you know, overall, I was on press in the beginning, but as we continue to play more, which again, I kind of advocated in the beginning that, you know, you start a new job, like you're not great at the beginning, you get the hang of it, you start to know the people, boom, and, and things start to roll. I want to say that's what we're seeing now is if you give it not only a little time, but more time heading into the end of this year, early next year, you got a much better idea of really what this guy's about and what he's bringing to this organization rather than the first four games, just not good enough. He's not good enough. Like, Hey, you know, let this guy get some time under his belt and see what he builds. So I've been, I've been encouraged what I see. And even with all the injuries, like I think it's been a good thing. Do you think Grifka that he or the team in general has quote unquote game planned any wins this year? I mean, do you think they've outthunk the other team? They've been able to put something together where they shouldn't have won or shouldn't have hung in a ball game and were able to, or do you think they've kind of done what they should have in most games? I think the biggest one that comes to mind me, the biggest one that comes to mind with me, it's got to be that New England game because, like, I swear nobody gave him a chance. We didn't give him a chance. We thought we predicted that game was a loss, and I think in it, nobody was given that one a chance at all. And they they surprised me, you know, pretty well. They surprised me. And the next game that really did that for me was probably the Rams game, where. It looked golf looked more confused and wasn't passing the ball. I just don't know if like the league's figuring him out, but the defensive game plan they had for him, you know, uh, that that really impressed me for them to hang around and just the offense really let him down that game. And um, the final score is not indicative of how close that game actually was, you know. And so those would probably be the two games that stick out in my mind where the they, the game plan worked for lack of a better term, even though one of them was lost, the offensive game plan in that Rams game or the offensive production really, really is what cost them there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I thought those are the two games you'd mention. I mean, I guess for me, I like what he did in that uh, Carolina game. You're just being able to play great defense, hold them down, you know, win in the end, that type of thing. And then uh, even this game in Arizona, I feel like uh, went down there. I know we're taking it for granted. Like, ah, we shouldn't have lost to Arizona. And they didn't play very well. This and the other, like, that's a road win in the NFL. I mean, you have to not only game plan, but also deal the cards you're dealt with all these injuries and all these other stuff. And I feel like he did that this past game. Uh, Just seems to talk about every week. You know, we got to figure out how to beat the Bills. Next week, we'll worry about the Vikes. You know what I mean? I think that kind of approach, along with finally, I think we have a guy that thinks outside the box and, like, has enough winning experience, even if it's not as a head coach, that I have faith in him that as he gets more acclimated, as they get more talent, more players, that this is a guy that literally, you know how every year, Griff, because they used to always say, like, well, we, we do whatever we have to win that week, whether it's pass, run, you know, um, win at 10 to 3 or win at 40 to, you know, 35. You know how they always say that? 
Yeah. But like, it never seemed like that was the case. It never seemed like we could really adapt and play both ways or, or kind of play the type of game we needed to, to win. It was just like something fun to say at your press conference. I'm starting to think like that if we look at it on paper and go, Hey, this is going to be an ugly game in, in Buffalo when we talk about it on Friday, I'm thinking that Matt Pat and some of his people that he has, <clears throat> not Jim, Jim Bob, um, are going to be able to sort of figure out the little things they can do, taking a player out, playing this type of defense, you know, scheming up a player too for this player on offense to be able to win games. And I think that's really important. So I think he has game plan some wins, and I think you'll just see more and more of that as we go forward. Um, Grifko, what is this O-line? that we have like not only now, but moving forward, like what do you think about them? I'm, I'm totally lost on this offensive line. Um, moving forward with the O line. I think Lang is, is finished unless they can get him to, you know, take some massive pay cut to, to hang around. But I don't even know if he would do that. I, th- I think he, he just might outright retire for all, for all the concussions he had. And I know, Earlier when we were doing, you know, in the preseason or even before the preseason started, we were doing our salary cap shows and we talked about Rick Wagner and how his salary increases. And actually, I think in two years, it really, really jumps. And 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 I had mentioned, like, if his production doesn't increase, he could be a cap casualty in two years. So I don't think the Lions would once to go change the whole offensive right side of the line. I don't, I don't think they would do that next year. I think they would look to replace Lang and I don't think that's going to be done in house, but then yeah, in two years, if Wagner's really still kind of playing that middle of the road type thing, I I mean, Crosby didn't do that bad when he was out there, you know, you know, on Sunday, I mean, he, he could be the replacement for him. He could be that guy taking his place. And, um, and to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, Taylor Decker. I mean, it's one of those things. I'm still not sold on him as a left, as our, you know, all, you know, stud left tackle. He's, he's very average to me. Like I've compared him to Jeff Backus and that's just kind of the way I feel about him. So right now, I think the only two guys that are, are kind of set for sure are, you know, Ragnar and Glasgow. Other than that, I mean, I think they're going to stick with Taylor Decker, but uh, I could see Lang gone next year and in two years. I could see, Rick Wagner not here and Crosby putting there at the, at the right tackle position. Yeah. I mean, here's my beef with you, Griffka on that. It's like, again, I brought it up a few weeks ago about us as Lions fans, you know, always thinking we're going to hit on every draft pick. We're going to win every game. We're going to have good players everywhere. Like you just nailed the three somewhat issues or weak spots. Like to me, you're not going to have five studs, right? So, I'm agreeing with you that you know, we've seen some holes in Taylor Decker's game, but until we had a much better option, like he's the guy over there and he's been better than, you know, not, you know what I mean? As far as his play. Yeah. Of course, every NFL guy is going to get whooped on some plays, going to have some issues, you know, TJ Lang, it's a medical thing. I mean, I can go either way. I'd love to see him bounce back and he's got the heart of a lion. I think, uh, pun intended, I guess, on that one, where I could see him if he's medically healthy and wanted to prove everybody wrong, come back and play well, but I could just see him hanging it up, too. And then, like, to me, Rick Wagner, you know, like you said, whatever his salary, I mean, I think he's proving that he's just okay. 
and he's being overpaid to be okay. So I'd be looking to either upgrade that spot or, you know, need to see a lot more from him. But my opinion is if you can have three or four, maybe four, that should be a good offensive line. And this has not been a very – well, let me let me stop there. That's why I said I'm so confused. When I say this has not been a good offensive line, I think they have been pretty good, especially like this game. I feel like they were moving people. You know, they're being a little nasty, you know, this, that, and the other. But they're just not consistent enough. And for what we're – late-round picks and a bunch of bums and stuff – but for what we're paying, like I'm just not blown away by the push to get the ability to pass block, you know, should be way better. So my beef with you is that we're never going to have five absolute beast studs, even though we love that. But how can we make this line better so that we see what we wanted to see in the beginning of the year, which is keep Stafford clean and get a little more push so we can actually run the ball on third and short and we can score touchdowns when we're inside the 10. And I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, I, yeah, we're not. Uh, I don't want to say we're, you know, really far off, but you know, like I said, I think the two guys right now are Ragnow and Glasgow. Those would be the guys that they have to build around, and that's just kind of how I feel about that. Yeah, we'll have to bring it up in a different show. I, I don't have it. I didn't look it up, but I was just thinking the other day. I'm pretty sure Glasgow is up this year. You know, I think his his contracts up. Yeah, I so. think he's. Yeah, They're going to have to decide I, I, to bring him back or, you know, what's your game plan? Do they plan to play Ragnow over there and, and move him over? Do they want to re-sign? I think Glasgow's been better than average, but I know Frank has said he feel he always felt a little more natural at center. That's kind of what he's always done until this year. So I'm curious what that long-term plan is because if you let Glasgow over, now we really got to – we got to reconsider this line, where they're going, what pieces we need, all that type of stuff. But bottom line, me and you are both saying they got to be better. Yeah. So last little thing I have, Grifka, is what's your plan in very broad strokes like for this team? I know we have a couple more games to go, but just, you know, we don't want to give all the details. We'll talk about a lot of off-season stuff when we get there, but – Give the people a couple big things that jump out to you now that, like, you think, hey, if we do this and this, just kind of in general, you know, make a big difference moving forward. Uh, the biggest thing's pass rush. I, I don't know yeah. what they're going to do, either draft or free agency. And, and I know there's like always a couple names that are floated out there. And, those are, and even, like, some of the bigger pass rush guys, those are the ones everybody's saying they'll just probably either be franchised again or – just resign with their team. But I think a, a, a pass rush would definitely help this team out a lot. And the second broad stroke has to be, it's to me, I mean, it's the defensive backfield. And I know we had talked, we, we thought that was the strength of the team and early on, but I mean, Grover Quinn, I'm sorry, Grover Quinn's a little long in the tooth. Obviously whoever's opposite of Darius Slay isn't, you know, isn't that great? <laughs> Not that great. And then, uh, so I think those would be the two biggest things right there. You know, a, a pass rush, at least something, you know, sustainable. I realize guys aren't, you know, some pass rushes are not every game, you know, they're just looking all dominant and everything. They have off games, but the team has, seems to have more off games than on games at the pass rush. So I think those would be the two biggest things I would like to see improve on this team in broad strokes. 
Yeah, um, real quickly on my end, like I think we just talked about one. I mean, I loved Bob Quinn's plan of, you know, dedicating resources to offensive line, getting that figured out. That would help not only, you know, the offensive line is one of the only areas that helps multiple parts of your team. It helps your run game, it helps your pass game, it helps your, your nastiness of your team, you know, all these different things they can do if you have a really good one up front. So I think they got to get that figured out. And then uh, not to double up on your pass rush because again that's the obvious. I think um, I think you know because it's a passing league. It seems like the last few years they put a little more resources into some corners, but they haven't got the right ones. So I'm really thinking you know while we have a guy like Slay who has a good you know three five year window where he can be that top echelon lockdown type corner find a way to go get another one or two guys that can really guard people in the past game. Sure. That up will help your, help your rush and help all these teams that love to wing it around the yard. I mean, the only way to really do that is either get to the quarterback or be able to guard people. And uh, I think, you know, really talented corners. And I think you sort of hit on the back end, you know, safeties are in there as well, but I feel like we're kind of, Decent there, you know, but the the opposite corner is a big issue to me. So that's kind of what I see is, uh, you know, a couple things that we could do to really get this thing right. And uh, like I say, if we're picking decently high in the draft, I mean, I think it makes it a little bit easier to get some of these premier players that can help those areas. So we'll see what happens there. So Grifka, great win, Arizona. You know what I mean? We've talked about a lot of issues, but again, me and you both at the end of the day, you know, basically you know, always uh, root for this team, drink the Kool-Aid, and, and it's always exciting to walk away from a Sunday afternoon with a W in your back pocket. So uh, happy to uh, have that again. Uh, how about we do some questions that came in, and, and we'll finish this episode up. Yeah, let's, uh, let's see what the people are asking us. <laughs> All right. I think you'll like this first one, Grifka. It comes from Jim and Jim's from the uh, XFL headquarters. Um, Jim would like to know, uh, what was that play in Miami? I mean, was that that pass it back and forth kind of thing? And then he also wants to know, hey, Grifka, you know, do you ever remember any crazy ending of ball games? I guess positive or negative for the Lions? I was going to say positive, but we know there's been a couple <laughs> that have been tough. Oh, gosh, uh, that play in Miami, that was uh... – it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm never the guy that likes to count my chickens before they hatched. I, I've told you that before. Cause uh, that seems like something like that would happen. And uh, that just left me. I saw, like I said, like I was watching the game and I saw the bottom line and then they came up and saying, Oh gosh, the Dolphins just beat the Patriots on the most amazing play. And then they, they showed the, they showed the highlight. And I was just like, I, I just, I just kind of laughing about it. Just the biggest thing I laughed about is like, Watching Gronkowski, that guy just stumble over his own feet, miss the tackle. It's just like, I just wanted to be like the Nelson Muntz from the Simpsons. Like, ha, ha. You know, it's like, <laughs> serves you right for being out there. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that cracked me up. But uh, say the biggest, uh, the most amazing thing for a Lions finish, gosh, I'm trying to think of something amazing that happened where they won. But uh, the one that crossed my mind when you mentioned it was like, the playoff game where the Lions, gosh, it was the last time they won the division. And they were at the Silverdome, and, you know, near the end of the game, somehow Brett Favre finds find, find Sterling Sharp just kind of standing by himself down the sideline, <laughs> and he wings it down. It's like, 
How are you letting Sterling Sharp all? It's like he, it's like did Sterling Sharp come off the sideline or something? He's just standing there, but he was like that wide open for the touchdown pass. And yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, Brett Favre made a heck of a throw going. He was on one side of the field. He threw it back across the other side, but still, Sterling Sharp like, I, I mean, at least put somebody on him. You're letting the referee guard him, obviously, but that would be like the biggest what happened, like what happened moments, you know. So to me. Kool-Aid drinkers out there that had the uh, had the bet in Vegas that Grifka was going to bring up that uh, play to Sterling Sharp. You go to the ticket window and collect your money because everybody knew you were going to bring that one up. Grifka, I always the worst part about that is though the bet the the odds on that were not that great, so their payout's not going to be that good. So, uh, yeah. Would you say not that great? Yeah, not that great. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, like. I got to be the positive one on the show, Griff, because so, of course, you bring up that game. Now, let me flip the script. You're like, oh, I can't remember. There was a certain game a couple years ago, probably four years ago, where a certain quarterback, number nine, Matt Stafford, in Dallas, uh, had one of the greatest comebacks of all time and ended the ball game. An absolute man's game move where he put the ball over the top when he looked like he was going to spike it to win the game. I mean, to me, in my uh, time as a Lions fan, that has to be one of the greater, um, wow, crazy, incredible moments because, I mean, it was over and done. That game was done with, and we came all the way back, and to end it like that was sweet. So I know it wasn't a pass back and forth kind of thing, Jim, but that was still pretty incredible, no doubt about it. And Grifka, Jim from the XFL headquarters, ends his question with, thanks for answering my question and things of that nature. So we appreciate it. (laughs) Um, Our next question, Griff, comes from Jim as well, and he's from Ann Arbor. Uh, he wants to know, uh, do you think Matt Pat uh, has some big plans here with the Lions? <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, yeah, big plans. Uh, get him over the hump and uh, get the type of team here want, uh, that he wants here. That's, I guess those would be his big plans that I know of. Everything else he holds close to his vest. His vest. So, uh, you know, I, I did sit upright, you know, and, you know, you know, in in my chair when I answered that question. So I am trying to respect the uh, the process. Do you mean, uh, you said close to the vest. Don't you mean close to the big black trash bag that he wears every week? Yeah, and, his, his hefty cinch sack. Yeah. And Jim in Ann Arbor, I just want you to know that Matt Pat's not considering any other NFL or college jobs because, yes, he's building, he has some big plans, and he's building something here. So don't ask him about it. Don't ask us about it anymore. Okay, Jim? Uh the next one, Grifka. Wow, this is crazy. Uh, a lot of coincidences here with this question, Grifka. But this one comes from A. Sean from Bama. <laughs> and uh, he, he wants to know, do you want a team of choir boys, Grifka, or do you want a team with some nasty players that don't like people? What kind of team do you want? Uh, gosh, I would. Uh... Don't disrespect A. Sean's question. Gosh, I, I I always take the guys with the nasty streak. I mean, there's plenty of nice guys, good guys in the NFL, but it, it seems like the Lions have had a lot of those guys, and they just don't seem to get anywhere. So if we could flip the script, and I know it's always 
it's like they have the they have the coaches really laid back, the players coach, you know, Steve Mariucci, and then they bring in the guy who's like, you know, the guy that's really going to try to run them and get the most out of them, and you know, not be that nice, you know, Jim Schwartz. Um, they always they always try it with the coach, but it always seems like the players are still kind of like the same, like the aw shucks, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's nice to have nice guys, you know, doing stuff with the community, but I want that guy like when the helmet is strapped on, they turn into the uh, the guy you don't want to run into in a dark alley, so. Griffka, I'm so glad you said that because I need to call you out, which I love doing on this show, because there's been many a times, not only in the draft process, but afterwards, where like we'll draft a guy with character issues or has some drug issues and you'll hate on it. Oh, man. Yeah, I hope he uh, hope he's off the pipe. You know what I mean? Or then he's he plays for us. He has a couple issues. You're like. Oh man, the guy can't stay off the off the police blotter. You know what I mean? When we had Jim Schwartz bringing in a bunch of prison convicts, so you may say nasty players, but I've heard you many a times hate on people after the fact or guess that they're not going to be able to do it. But I've always been a guy that's like in the NFL, man. Again, not to go back to our talk about dogs, but you got to have some nasty players. You got to take some risks in the draft. Oh, Calculated risk. Go ahead. Wait, I, I want to hear the. Are Are you kidding me? I'm the. I, this is the one. Like just what last week, the week before, I heard you, you know, moaning and groaning about Indomic and Sue, and I said I would take this guy back on the team in a second. You're like, oh, he's all about himself and all. Like he's he's a dirty player. I, I would take that guy back on the lines in a second. Right. I mean, but the, so to say, like, I'd whine about the guys on the police blotter and stuff like that. I'm just like. Um, okay, so I, I guess I don't want Pac-Man Jones. I mean, yeah, sorry about that. But, uh, I mean, I would have drafted Warren Sapp when he came out just because he had a, uh, you know, they said that, you know, he had a little weed in his system or something like that. I'm like, okay. But uh, uh, to say that I just want the choir ball all the time like that, I I would have to differ with you on that. <laughs> okay, well, you must be forgetting the times where you called me uh... – I, I talked about Nick Fairley being a nasty defensive tackle, and you said how he. Was I said he was lazy. Okay. I said he was I, lazy. I, I didn't say I, that. I, would, I didn't say he wasn't a quarter. I said he was lazy, and I didn't want him because he takes a lot of plays off. Okay. Well, I, I'm pretty sure if we could rewind the tape back when all these people were getting arrested for Jim Schwartz, you were not happy, but you're. You, you were ragging on the Lions, why they draft all these players that, that can't stay off the Wii, off the drugs, like, and now now you want all these nasty players. It's because you want Indomitian Sue. I mean, he wasn't nasty coming out of school. He just had a little bit nasty on the field when he was here with the Lions. So, I mean, I'm just calling you a little bit that I bet – it's easy to say after the fact, but I haven't ever heard you say many times, hey, take this guy with character issues. You uh, you wait till after to say, uh, see, I told you so. <laughs> Oh, okay. Once again, here, get the belt. Reasonable minds can differ, but I think you're stringing a narrative around to, uh, you know, uh, make yourself uh, sound like you want all the guys. You you just want to go down to, uh, you want to go to the Jackson State Prison and find the guys that, you know, were playing with Adam Sandler, you know, on, on the mean machine. So, uh, I didn't say that. I think it's just like my other argument. Like, it's a mix. Like, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Like, I... I like having the guys that, um, you know, you can count on and that are solid, but every team that's good, if you go back through the history, most teams that are good, if not all, they've had at least less than a handful of nasty players or players with backgrounds and character. That's the only way because you can't have 53, like, 
perfect players. I mean, some of these guys that are really good NFL players are going to have things in their background. They're going to have some things, but can you get over that? Can you culture, have a culture that cultivates that? So like you said, reasonable minds will differ, but I'm just saying that like, I want the Lions to overall be a, a good team with good people, but they need to start adding a couple of those wild cards, whether it's a guy that will yell at people in the locker room, whether it's a guy that, yeah, maybe had character and slipped in the draft, they take him. Maybe it's a guy that has an injury history where they take him and he ends up being good for the Lions. Like, a couple of those things have to happen to get this kind of team over the top. So we'll see what they do. But got to get away from this whole choir boy across the board because it's not working. Um, last question, Griffith, comes from Santa. And holiday season, Grifka, December, Santa sent a question. And Santa is coming from his S-L-A-Y. He's coming from his sleigh, Grifka. Wow, that's (laughs) tremendous. Santa from his sleigh. He wants to know, hey, Grifka, do you return gifts to the place they came from when possible? And then then when the person doesn't want you to return it, do you wag your finger at them? (laughs) Yes, I have returned gifts before. If, uh... If I have if I have said gift already, or if I'm like okay, this gift is nice, I will not I will not say to the person why did you buy me this. I will you know I will wait till the next. I won't even do it the next day. I will wait you know a couple of days and then I will slate back this head store hoping I do not see them and you know I will take the store credit. I'm fine with that. Do you high step it to the return counter like uh, like our boy on Sunday did? <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to draw attention to myself. Like I said, I'm not trying to like show anybody. Oh, thank you for the uh, dehydrator, but um, there's just no room on my counter for it. So I'm just gonna bring it back. You know, I guess the so. finger wag would be better for the person that gave it to you when you didn't like the gift. That's the better finger <laughs> wag. And you're telling me once they accept your return or your store credit, you don't drop to your knees and and put your arms out and look to the heavens like like Slade did on Sunday. Come on, Griff. I know you do that. <laughs> Only if I didn't have my receipt and they allowed me to return it, then I would do it. <laughs> oh, man, no doubt about it. So, hey, Sl- Santa from your sleigh, it's an awesome question. Uh, you know, you got to return the gifts when they're when they're no good. But, yeah, don't tell the person. Don't wag your finger. And uh, be thankful when they uh, the store takes it back. So, huh. Grifka, that's all we got on questions, man. Another victory for our Lions. Got one against the Cardinals. Felt like it's one they had to have. Got a little mojo heading into Buffalo. Uh, we'll be talking about that on Friday. Anything else uh, for the people before we get out of here? Uh, no, man. Just uh, hopefully, uh, like I said, short seasons left and uh, take as many W's as possible. <laughs> Will do. And Grifka's got his deposit on those playoff tickets. We encourage everybody to rate, subscribe, hit us up on iTunes. Uh, the Twitter feed, again, is Detroit underscore Kool-Aid. Just look for Detroit Kool-Aid Cast. Put that in your search bar on uh, on Twitter or find us on some other platforms. We'd love to connect with you. Talk some Lions football. That's always fun. So for me and for Grifka, um, we're going to tell you what you, we tell you every week, which is drink it in, man. And uh, we'll be back Friday morning to uh, talk about our Lions heading to Buffalo. So everybody, take care. Detroit Kool-Aid Cast, we're out. Drink it in, man.